Good morning. Um, those of you who may be new, let's just make sure we're on, on, all on the same page. We are working through the Bible in this class. Last week we talked some about where did the Bible come from and how did we get it. Um, yeah, Robert's holding up lessons. If you don't have a lesson for today, if you'll raise your hand, they'll bring them down. Um, I see some down here that don't have them. Uh, it's a two-sided lesson today. You don't need it necessarily to follow. The most important thing that you need today is your Bible. And I hope you've got one. If not, try to bring one. Because uh, if we are going to become biblically literate people, the goal behind this class is for us to have in our hands a Bible that we understand to, to, to a very large degree. We want to make sure that it's... it's uh, did I, there we go. We want to make sure that it's something where we have no trouble turning to books, where we have a good basic understanding of what the book is and what it's in there for and why God has it. And so this morning, we will be starting uh, uh, lesson number two. Last week, we discussed where did the Bible come from in a little detail. There was a lot of material we did not get to. Uh, it's a subject that fascinates some. It's a subject that bores others, but it's a subject that's important. So what I'm going to do, instead of just uh, continuing on with the same subject, we're going to actually get into Genesis, the first book of the Bible this morning. And as we get into Genesis, and as we go through the Bible, we'll continue to go back and visit some of the points that either we covered last week or that we haven't had a chance to cover yet. Um, the... Uh, uh, Background behind the book of Genesis. Those of you uh, most likely know, you've got your Bible. It's divided into two parts. You've got the Old Testament first, which was the Jewish Bible, and still is. Then you've got the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the very first book you're going to come to is the book of Genesis. And uh, uh, there are some things we need to know about the book of Genesis. We first need to understand that the book itself... Uh, the name Genesis was not written on the first copies of the book. We don't have the first copies of the book of Genesis. The oldest copies we have in Hebrew date back around two to 300 B.C. Those were copies discovered at the Dead Sea site uh, among the Dead Sea Scrolls. And there were at least seven or eight pretty good-sized Genesis texts that were found there at, at, in the caves at Qumran. Um, uh, Genesis is not the name in the Hebrew book anyway. Uh, the Hebrew book takes its name from the first word uh, for the Old Testament. The first word, let's see if this works. Um, the first word is the Hebrew word, Bareshit. And it is uh, uh, a Hebrew word. It comes from the, the root of the Hebrew word is this right here, Resh or Rosh, which means head. The B at the start means in. And so it's kind of the, the Hebrew word in the beginning literally means at the head, at the start, in the beginning. That is the first word in the Hebrew Old Testament. It's the first word in the book of Genesis. And uh, that's what the book is called in Hebrew. It's not called that in Greek. Um, in Greek, it's called Genesis. And so, um, there... In Greek, it's called Genesis, and we have an opportunity then to learn from the Greek as well as from the Hebrew. 
In addition to being the first book in the Old Testament, the book gives historical accounts of God and man from creation up to Joseph's death in Egypt, which we speculate is around 1650. We don't know for certain. Um, what I want to do is I want us to really focus in, not on the entire book this morning, but let's look at the first two chapters. The first two chapters contain an account of God's creation of Adam, Eve, and the Garden of Eden. Now, there are actually two accounts that are given there. Um, uh, some people think that they are two entirely separate accounts. Uh, that's not what Scripture conveys. Scripture conveys, the first account starts with Genesis chapter 1, says, in the beginning, and it talks about God creating the heavens and the earth, and He does so in seven days. Actually, there's six days of creation and a seventh day of rest. I want to, just a couple of freebies here, by the way. If you look at your Bible as he does it, God says, for example, verse 3. If you don't, open your Bible. And it's useful for us to know at this point that the abbreviations in Scripture wind up being, we will call this, um, let's see, uh, Genesis, we abbreviate G-E-N. Then after that, you put the number of the chapter that you're looking at. And after that, typically a colon, sometimes a period, but then you put the verse. So, for example, that's Genesis 1.26. Now, we know that the chapters and the verses were not in the original. Those were added um, uh, sometime later. Uh, actually, those were added between 500 and 1000 A.D. Uh, among the Masoretic scholars. Um, we have two stories of creation. The first one is being in the seven days. If you look, for example, verse 3 of chapter 1, God said, let, let there light. There was light. God saw the light was good. He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, the first day. Now, here's an important part. This is worth underlining or circling in your Bible. There was evening and there was morning the first day. In the creation story, day starts with evening. There's evening and there's morning the first day. That's why Jews, even today, but Jews in the New Testament as we read about Christ, always start day with the sunset. So the Sabbath, you see, starts Friday night and goes till Saturday at sunset. That comes from the creation account. There was evening and there was morning the first day. So as we work through biblical literacy and we read through this, this, we'll learn God creates the world in these seven days. And the creation of Adam and Eve are contained in verses 26 and 27 of chapter 1. Then in chapter 2 of Genesis, there is more detail given. It was a standard Hebrew way to write, to write first in a bold story, and then to draw out part of the bold story and to write in a smaller story and to give more detail. And that's what we read with the creation account. So we read, for example, in Genesis 1... Um, oh, time out. Important point here, y'all. Let's cover the third bullet point I have and then we'll, we'll get to the actual creation part of today that we're looking at. I put up here, this, meaning the creation accounts, this was not written as a scientific textbook. You all have to pay attention carefully to what I'm saying. 
While it is accurate and authoritative in what it recounts, the principal lessons are missed if it's read only for science. We spend a lot of time, because we live after the Scopes monkey trial, we spend a lot of time arguing about creation versus evolution. And the Bible has important things to sing and to teach in this regard. But we must understand that the creation account in the Genesis book, it was written written first and foremost to be a scientific textbook. It was written at a time when the scientific method was not known, a time when science was not being probed with in any regard, and it was written as a message throughout the ages, both to those that know science and to those who never have or never will. Because the message that God first and foremost is intending to convey is not first and foremost a message of science. It's a message of God and His people. And if we focus only on the science, we run a very severe, severe of missing the point of the passage. So what I'd like us to do is catch the point, or at least a few of the major points, of the creation account. Um, point number one. You are not an accident. I'd like you to focus on me for a minute because it is my wish. This is one of these moments where I regret the size of the class because I'd like to go to each one of you and I'd like to look you in the eye and look deep into your soul and I'd like to tell you, you're not an accident. You are not an accident. A sperm did not just happen to invade an ovum and create you. There is not one person in this room right now or today that just accidentally came to be. Whether your mother knew that or whether your father knew that, accident doesn't make it true or untrue. It is a point that you and I are created. We did not accidentally occur. There's not a a thing that God creation that was an accident that God stumbled into, that God just shazam, and it was. The story of creation teaches us that everything that happened happened as a deliberate choice of an almighty God. Everything created, a deliberate choice of an almighty God. And my friends, that includes you and me. See, Satan would have us all believe a lie. Satan would have us all believe that, you know, take for example, um, our fifth child. Um, Becky and I even joke about it. Um, her name is Sarah, and our joke is, do you know how to say accident in Spanish? Sarita. <laughs> because she was our little accident. Um, our accident, maybe, but not God's. Something we didn't plan for, true, but not God. I was talking to a reporter uh, 
week and a half ago for uh, uh, Bloomberg News. And she's out of Atlanta, and she calls me periodically to get comments on, on stories, especially if they've got a religious angle to them. Um, and uh, she was calling me, and we were discussing some legislation and how it would affect some uh, pro-family and pro-life issues. And she said to me, she said, well, what's the theological basis for valuing human life anyway? And I, I said, you should really come to Houston. And come to our Sunday school class. Because we're going to be answering that question. And her name is Lawrence. And she's a she, even though it's spelled like the St. Lawrence Seaway. Lawrence Veely. And Lawrence said to me, she said, Well, okay, I can't come to your Sunday school class, but just sort of tell me what it is. And I said, Well, Lawrence, it goes back to Genesis. And in Genesis, we re- Genesis 1.26, we read, Then God said... Let us make man in our image. And God did so. If you read it, it says, uh, God, verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. The Bible is not a sexist book when it says God created man. That's because either, and I worried about sexism back then either, and man meant humankind. God said, it's not that men are made in His image and women are an afterthought. By the same token, women, it's not that everything He made got better and better and, and He saved women till last. I've heard both of those. Uh, neither one of them is accurate. What it is, is Almighty God said, I want to make man and woman in our image. God, you, God you, is a Godhead. There are three. God speaks in the plural here. Let us make man in our image. And God did so. Nobody, as I told Lawrence, is an accident. If you are here, it's not that your parents managed to pull something off without the involvement of God. It did not happen. Everyone, everyone has incredible built-in. If you were a debater in high school, you'd use the word inherent. You have incredible, built-in, inherent value, regardless of your looks, regardless of your brains, regardless of your social position, regardless of your abilities, regardless of your popularity, your goodness, your badness, how much money you have, how much money you don't have. How many children you have, how many children you don't have, whether your family likes you, whether your family hates you, whether your marriage is good, whether your marriage is bad, whether you feel good, whether you feel poor, whether you're busy, whether you're bored, whether you're employed, whether you're unemployed, none of that makes a difference in the incredible value that everyone in this room and on this planet has. Everyone has value because they were made by Almighty God in His image. And those who use their abilities and use their position and use what they have for God's purposes, lift Him up and He is glorified. Those who use what they have for evil, it is a double shame. It is a shame because evil is being done, but it's also a shame because they're defiling the image of God. 
I are not an accident. God made us and we have value. Let's, let's, when you in your family are spouse, your children, your spouse, when you are edifying and you are, you are lent to them, the tools that they need, walk with Almighty God. God is glorified. Because you because you you value and letting it shine like a light in a room. When you your life, you destroy, destroy your family. Tear down your children. And, and you, and you tear spouse, your spouse. That you have no value anymore. But there are two pities. There is because of the bad, bad wreckage you're leaving in wake. And there's another pity because you've taken your value like a light and you've put a box over it. The light is still there, but it does not shine for the room. And that's the double pity. Because the Bible teaches us that God chose to make us. We have our value because of who chose to make us and how He chose to make us. And that... My friends, is what makes us valuable. Now, if we look then, major points of creation. Point number one, you are not an accident. Point number two, God made you for a reason. By the way, let's pause for a moment. Genesis 1.26. That was, then God said, let us make man in our image. Y'all remember that? If you've got your Bibles open, these are Bibles to write in. Underline it, highlight it, do something in your Bible, and write out in the margin, me, not Mark. <laughs> I mean, it'd be accurate, but that's not the point. Uh, um, I want you to, uh, let's see if I can draw this up, I can't. I want you to write out in the margin, underline it, write out in the margin, me. All right, I am valuable. That's a terrible color. I can't even read it. We need to do better than that. There. I am valuable. Because you are. You are. And God made you that way. And you need to have it, and you need to write it. And I want to tell you something. Anybody in here have children or offspring of some way, shape, form, or fashion? You keep this Bible as we go through this class. I promise you this. You keep this Bible because there will be a day where you will pass on and go to glory, we pray. And your children will grab this Bible. And they'll be trying to figure out what to do with your things. And children will give away your clothes. And children may throw away some of your papers but they'll never throw away a Bible you wrote in. They'll read it. And what you write in this Bible will change lives when you're dead and gone. Okay? Um, I'm a fan of writing in Bibles, if you write good stuff. Don't write things like, this is my wife's problem. <laughs> that has a bad effect. Um, the, uh, uh, okay, now, having said that, let's continue. 
major points of creation. Point number one, you're not an accident. Point number two, God made you for a reason. Now here you get to underline and write in your Bible some more. We're at Genesis 1, 27 and 28. These are the next verses after that. It says, So God created man in His image. Male and female, He created them. God blessed them. Baruch is the Hebrew word for bless. God blessed them. God gave to them uh, um, a, a pronouncement of goodness for their lives. That's a blessing. This was not a curse when God said, be fruitful and increase in number. It was a blessing. God said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. That was the purpose that God gave. Now, let's think about this for a moment. There's something very significant being said here. In addition to the statement that you are not an accident, God is saying, I made you for a reason. I made you for a purpose. This is, this is profound, okay? Uh, this is... This, if I could figure a way to engrave this upon your heart, in my heart, I would. Because we all come in here with videotapes that run through our head of all the things that have happened in our lives. Um, I don't know how many of y'all got up early enough to catch the Jackie Chan movie on the Action Channel. It was, uh, it was one that he made in uh, 19... 86 in Hong Kong and they didn't really speak English in it the English was overdubbed so it's one of those where you see their mouth move and then you hear the words later and um, it was it was one that let's just poll who saw that movie this morning other than me okay this is not the best illustration because illustration because a lot of you bashful people who aren't admitting it um there was uh, Jackie Chan plays a Hong Kong police officer who has a brother. Has takes care of his brother is third. His brother is, but his brother has um, uh, mental uh, death deaths that cause him to function on a preschool level and uh, intellectually. Um, and there is a scene in there, and in the scene in there, uh, uh, his brother is being abused, and and. Uh, being made fun of and being told he's a waste and he doesn't and 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 I was sitting there and and I was thinking you know this this fella well first of all is a made up story so real but too real, too real but there are people are people people who have playing in their hand that where they've been told you're worthless you're wasting your life you're of use what are you doing here? And God and that videotape erased. Videotape erased. Videotape is a lie. God wants everyone's room to know something. Regardless of anything you have ever done in your entire life, there is a Creator 
who made you and put value into you that wants to call you out right now to walk a path that He has for you. I, I tease that, that God had plan A for my life and, and I blew it. And then He had plan B and I blew that. Plan C, D, maybe some of y'all are on plan L, M, N, O, P, P. I'm on triple Q. Okay, okay. And there's a good chance I'm going to blow that this afternoon and I'll have to move to triple R. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many times you've blown it. Now, you may not have in front of you the plan that was best that God first wanted for you because you could have walked past that. But wherever you are in your life, the beauty of an almighty God who knows each one of us by name is that He has something planned for you today. If He did not, you would not be alive. Now, what a lot of people want to do First of all, the Christians, what a lot of Christians want to do is close their eyes so they don't see it or close their ears so they don't hear it because a lot of Christians already have their own plans and we fear that God's plans may conflict with ours and we're pretty confident about what we want and He doesn't exactly come down and talk to us. I've told I've told you who were in the class in, the, in a, few, a month or so ago, I told you about Sarah, our three-year-old, who asked me a question in the, in the bathroom, and Becky, Becky, Becky did and said, I don't know, and the three-year-old said, well, does, does God, does Ed, well, and Becky said, of course, Sarah, God knows everything. And so Sarah throws her on, throws out, looks up to the guy and says, so what's the answer, God? <laughs> kept looking, look, she kept looking, hello. Hello? She looked back and she looked back at Becky and said, How come he never come he talks to me? And many of us, many of us who have the same approach as our three our throat and say, Well, my plan I know. God's plan plan, I'm not so sure. It's not like he comes down and tells me, you know? And so a lot of us don't really want to know the plan of God unless it just happens to coincide with our own, in which event life is fine. But if not, we'll keep on going. I want to challenge you out of that. As we walk through the class, we'll see thousands of, not thousands, as a lawyer exaggeration. We'll see seven. No, we'll see. We'll, we'll see lots, lots that God teaches us what He wants for, for us. Okay. But lots of Christians, they don't want to know. Now, how about the folks who are, are kind of Christian? Which means, yeah, if push comes to shove, I might be a Christian, but I'm just not really too into it or I'm not too sure. If you're one of those people, hey, your life, I have some friends who, yeah, offense. I, I have some friends who are too in the world to have fun as a Christian and, and too much a Christian to have fun in the world. And they're just miserable. Um, um, lukewarm is not good. But... These people may not even be thinking about this. And if that's where you are, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to think and understand, just accept this. God has a purpose for me. He's got a purpose for my life. And some people aren't Christians. And I want to tell you something. God speaks to you too. And whether you want to admit it or not, God made you on purpose. 
purpose. And God has a reason for you to live. And the best and smartest thing you can do is grab hold of it now. And because you go by without it. Because you see what happens with us as people. God says you're not an accident. God says I made you for a reason. Oh, there's a PS in here. Take care of the environment. The environment that's what we're put here on earth. Earth, right? Subdue the, subdue, subdue the earth. Rule fish. And say go galoot them and kill them and all. Okay, okay, okay. Um, um, it gives, but it's something further in the, in the creation, creation account. It's fulfillment in life. Your full is going to, is going to on your relationship with God. God. With God. As we read through, read through. God, God not only makes only man and woman, blesses them, them, them to, be, to be fruitful and fruitful in number. And then we read a greater focus of God, focus of God starting with, with, with Genesis with 2, um, uh, 4. And, and, and read through it, we read that Adam and Eve were planted in a beautiful, beautiful garden God gave them. Gave them. That was, they were responsible for the earth. Had a special they had that garden home that home their, their God, God provided for them for them and the Bible says the garden God that God spoke with them and their relationship with God ship with God was harmony of union and union and close together until sin entered the picture and sins entered picture Adam and Eve became self conscious Adam and Eve became alienated. They became separated from God. The closeness was gone. The Bible says they were aware of this. They were alienated and self-conscious. The Lord God called God to the man, Where are you? The man said, Well, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Our purpose and our value in life center and are grounded in our relationship with God. And this is what God chose to teach us. I understand, this is flat out of the box. This is the first thing God tells you in the Bible. The first thing you read. God is telling you, I made you, I made you for a reason, and your purpose and your value in life is directly correlated to how you walk with me in fellowship. And when we walk together, life is a Garden of Eden. But when you walk away from me in sin, you begin to be afraid. You begin to be self-conscious and to think less of yourself than you are. That is not the way God made it. That's not how God wants us to be. God says, where, where? Now, did God not know where Noah and Eve were? Well, of course he knew. He found them, didn't he? It's a pretty big planet to just like walk around walk yelling, where are you? Okay. And we lose our kids in the grocery store. In the gro- God knew right where he was. God calls out to him and says, Adam, answer me. Come on. This is a two-way relationship. And Adam says, well, uh, I'm hiding because I was afraid of you as God. God calls out to each one of us, where are you? 
And some of us even in our lives today hide from God. We hide from God because we fear our sin. We hide because we're self-conscious. We hide from God because we don't think we're clothed properly to be in front of God. Now, the Christian solution to this is we read through the Bible. We project forward. God says, yes, in fact, you are all naked. But I will make clothes of righteousness for you. God makes Adam and Eve some clothes. But it's nothing but a foreshadow of the real garments of righteousness that He clothes us with in Jesus Christ. Paul will say in Galatians much later, when you are baptized into Christ, you put on Christ like a garment. And what God is saying from the very beginning is, sin has destroyed your relationship with me, but I will come and I will seek you out and I will overcome your fears. I promise you, God calls to each of us, where are you? Whether you know God or whether you don't, God calls to you, where are you? Some of us just choose not to answer. Some of us answer. But the answer is always one of our inadequacy if we're really dealing with God. And God says, I am here to meet your needs. This excites me no end. This class excites me no end because we find in the Bible answers to the big questions of life. We find in the Bible that we're not an accident, that God has purpose for us, that we are valuable because of Him, and that our meaning in life will be real when we are in fellowship with our Creator. If you find you are missing your meaning in life, if you find you're missing your purpose, if you find you're missing your value, God says the answer is God. It's not, it's smarter. It's not get richer. It's not climb a bigger hill. It's not carry someone heavier on your back. It's God. And He will meaning, and He will give you meaning, and He will. Now, our goal next week, now, next to be in prayer about it, if you read Genesis, keep reading if you want to, and three. For next Sunday. Um, What we're going to be doing next Sunday is we're going to look at the temptation and the fall. And uh, it's going to be be very interesting because what... what, Here's your preview. Here's your 30-second. Stay tuned. Beginning of the spirituals. Change that dial. We see the beginning of the spirituals of the spell also in the Garden of Eden. When Satan in the form of the serpent tempts man, tempts man. And what Satan, what Satan, what Satan was that about in was not trying to ruin day, Eve's day, Eve's day, an intergalactic battle, struggle with God that we have been caught up in. And the Bible explains a spiritual warfare all the way through to the very end. And we're going to do next week. Next week is next week. Who's through the quick crisis through Revelation to understand. What happened in Genesis and houses carried throughout in the Bible, Bible as to, to apply. So it'll be a quick, then we'll bail back straight into Genesis to continue. Genesis, pour, pour, pour through our pour. Through. Pray with me in closing, closing, please. Would you reach down in each of our lives and remind us that we're not here by accident or by chance? Chance. That you have each one of us here by name. That us here by name. You have made. 
with what with whatever looks we have, with whatever talents we have, you have made us, and you've made us this way, made us this way. And Lord, remind each one of us, each that your reason is something we're called to live for. And Lord, would you draw each of us closer to you? Bless us, Lord. Bless our family. Bless, bless, bless. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray. Amen.